the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, February the 24th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1582, Pope Gregory VIII issued an edict outlining his calendar reforms. That was the Gregorian calendar. It's the calendar that generally is used today. It's the calendar that we use. That calendar makes today Monday. February the 24th, 2020. Today in uh, 1761, Boston lawyer James Otis, he went to court to argue against what he called writs of assistance that allowed British customs officers to arbitrarily search people's premises. He said, a man's house is his castle. Well, Otis lost the case, but his statement provided inspiration for the early American independence movement, and people started quoting him all across the colonies. A man's house is his castle. Today in 1868, the U.S. House of Representatives impeached President Andrew Johnson by a vote of 126 to 47. The reason they tried to impeach him, actually they didn't because the Senate later acquitted him, but they... (laughs) They accused him, and I I guess he did do this, they accused him of attempting to dismiss the Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton, because he didn't like him. (laughs) And uh, Johnson, as I said, was later acquitted by the Senate. Today, 1942, charter ship attempting to carry uh, nearly 800 Jewish refugees from Romania to the uh, British-mandated Palestine, the area that is still much in conflict. It was torpedoed by a Soviet submarine in the Black Sea. All but one were lost. All of the Jews except one. One escaped. I would like to know that one story. I don't, to be honest with you, but I'm sure there is a story about who that person was and some of his or her thoughts following that. Today in 1961, the Federal Communications Commission authorized the nation's first full-scale trial of pay television in Hartford, Connecticut. And today, in 1988, in a ruling that expanded legal protections for parody and satire, the Supreme Court unanimously overturned a $150,000 award that the Reverend Jerry Falwell had won against Hustler Magazine and its publisher, Larry Flint. Larry Flint hated, literally hated, Jerry Falwell. Senior Jerry Falwell Jr.'s, he probably would hate him too, but he's, we're talking about his dad, Reverend Jerry Falwell, a guy I came to know pretty well before he passed away. Um, anyway, Falwell had sued uh, Flint because Flint was really mocking Falwell big time. And of course, it was very nude. And I mean, that Hustler magazine was, I don't know if they're still around or not, but it was a big deal back then. It was very controversial. 
and extremely pornographic and, you know, all of that kind of thing. Anyway, um, Flint had taken to uh, putting Jerry in, in cartoons and pictures and one thing or another um, that were very unflattering. I'll just say that. So Falwell got upset. He was pretty upset at the whole secular progressive movement, even though we didn't call it that, call it that back then. So he, he sued and he won. And the judge overturned it and said, no, Larry Flint and others like him, they have a right to parody and satire against public figures. Falwell was a public figure. Today, in 1994, remember Dinah Shore? Yeah, she died in Beverly Hills today in 1994, five days before turning 78 years old. Today in 2008, Cuba's parliament named Raul Castro president. That ended nearly 50 years of rule by his brother, Fidel. A huge, huge fan of Fidel and Raul is Bernie Sanders. Those are his words, not mine. Five years ago today, Alaska became the third U.S. state to legalize recreational use of marijuana. And so it goes. There's a push now to nationally legalize it. I suppose that will happen. I don't know. There's a lot of push behind it to make it happen. President Donald Trump is in India this morning. He spoke to a cheering crowd. I wish they could. No, I, I don't wish they could vote, but a cheering crowd. They He was well received. There are over 100,000 people in the soccer stadium, uh, came out this morning to hear him speak. He said America loves uh, India, America respects India, and so on. He said the things that you would expect the President of the United States to say to a foreign country with whom we have a good relationship. So that is happening. I'm sure that the press won't report on how well he was received there, but uh, it'll it'll be... um, you know, it'll, it'll be something that'll be in the news. I don't know how they'll treat it. The Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped more than 900 points when it opened this morning. It was reacting to the news of the coronavirus spiking outside of China. Six deaths reported in Italy. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. It's a little bit off topic of what we normally talk about, but we talk about current events. And this particular episode of infectious disease is pretty much dominating the news and the concerns around the world. Not just this morning, but in an even an accelerated way this morning. But before I talk about that, I want to be very direct in my comments about it and about China and how this really played out, in my mind at least, and I'll tell you why I think what I think. But I want to read you a couple of verses. You know them. If you're a Christian, perhaps you've memorized them. But let me read them to you again. These are not my words. I'm going to give you my words in a few moments. These are far more important. It's God's word. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. 
He shall cover you with his feathers under his wings. You shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall have his angels charge over you to give you in all your ways in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion or the cobra, the young lion, the serpent, you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That is the word of the Lord. And I can already hear my critics saying, yeah, so Christians get sick too, Gary. Don't you know that? I do. I do know that. But I also know that the word of the Lord stands, and I'm going with the word of the Lord, and whatever happens, happens. But I will stand on his word. Things are not good in our world. In a rare admission from Chinese president yesterday afternoon, he admitted that the coronavirus is the largest, I'm quoting him, largest health, public health emergency since the founding of the People's Republic in 1949. He said, this is a crisis for us and it is a big test. And he added that China must learn from obvious shortcomings that have been exposed. But as the numbers grow exponentially, I want to talk to you a little bit about what's happening behind the bamboo curtain because it no longer doesn't affect us. It now does affect us. We've heard for years, and I've talked about it on this program, how that the Christian church has been punished, abused, shut down, and now they're being forced to include the teachings of Confucius in their church beliefs and in the sermons of their pastors, or they stand to be punished by the Chinese government. The coronavirus is China's largest ever public health crisis. Well, indeed it is, but it's not the first. The World Health Organization, WHO, WHO, they've been praising Beijing for its handling of the epidemic. And every time I've seen them do that, I've thought, what are you guys thinking? I know you get paid a lot of money to be a world thinker, but they're not. The people that live in China have been criticizing their own government at their own peril because they are saying that the government is not telling the truth. The people in China. They're criticizing their own government for silencing early warnings from one of their own doctors, 
who later died of the virus. This has been a few months ago. As of yesterday afternoon, things are changing, but as of yesterday afternoon, Italy has reported a third death while cases are spiking in the country. The Venice Carnival was closed. It's kind of like the thing in New Orleans. Closed early because of the virus spreading. There's a new AP report out this morning, just about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes ago. It says South Korea reported 169 new cases and three deaths on Sunday, linking the countrywide uh, fatality toll to five. Around half the country's cases have been linked to a church group there. It's called the Church of Jesus, so I would assume it's Christian. I don't know if it's a cult or if it's a legitimate biblical church. I, I don't know. I've spent a lot of time in South Korea with the churches there, and uh, I'm not familiar with this group. I, I don't know who they are. But anyway, I guess thousands of members have been quarantined or asked to stay home, and um, the cases are, it, it looks very tentative there in, in Korea in regard to this. Italy and Iran began introducing the sort of containment measures previously seen only in China. Italy's cases spiked to 152 yesterday, Sunday, including three deaths. Virus panic creep has gone on to the catwalks, Associated Press says, leading to the cancellation of some of the runway shows in Milan, the fashion week. That's the kind of the, one of the fashion centers of the world there in Milan, uh, Italy. Others were held behind closed doors and live streamed so that there was no contact with the models and the people who would come to buy their style and, and so on. More than 50,000 people in about a dozen northern Italian towns have been told to stay home while shops and schools remained shuttered. It goes on and on. Iran's death toll rose to eight yesterday, prompting travel bans from the neighboring countries. Iran has closed schools, university, cultural centers across 14 provinces, the most outside of East Asia itself. Now, someone would say, but Gary, eight deaths in a country of so many millions, I mean, that's not hardly an epidemic. It isn't. But they know they can't control it, and there is the sense that Iran has almost no ability to contain any episode like this. South Korea says it's raised its highest alert, or it's alert to the highest level that it can, and it's, as I said, they're by the by the hour, they're counting what's happening there. Armenia has closed its border with Iran and suspended flights. Pakistan, this is as of last night. Pakistan closed its land crossing with Iran yesterday. Turkey and Afghanistan suspended travel to Iran yesterday. And as I said, the concern regarding Iran from the other Middle East countries is that they just feel that they're unable to deal with this. All they know how to do is do uranium, basically. I mean, that's where their whole focus has been. Not unlike China and its expansionism. Dr. Paul Hunter, he's a professor in medicine at Britain's University of East Anglia, has said Sunday, it is unlikely that Iran will have the resources or the facilities to adequately identify cases and adequately manage them if case numbers are large. Most would agree this is China's big test. And many agree China is miserably failing, putting the world at risk. Let me talk to you for a minute about how this started. Just 
for our information. The New York Post has been following this very close. They've been doing an excellent job. Everybody's writing about it. But I've noticed the New York Post has done some excellent work and um, in their reporting about the story. They said on Friday, the New York, and much has happened since Friday, but they said this on Friday. On Friday, the, the I'm quoting them, on Friday, the Chinese Ministry of Science and Technology put out a directive titled Instructions on Strengthening Biosecurity Management in Microbiology Labs that Handle Advanced Viruses like coronavirus. It turns out that in all of China, there is only one such lab. And this one is located in the Chinese city of Wuhan that happens to be the epicenter of the epidemic. That's right. China's only level four microbiology lab that is equipped to handle deadly coronaviruses, it's called the National Biosafety Laboratory, is part of the Wuhan Institute of virology. What's more, the People's Liberation Army, that's what their China's army is called, the PLA, its top expert in biological warfare is a Major General Chen Wei. Wei was dispatched to Wuhan at the end of January to help with the effort to contain the outbreak. According to the PLA, the, the army, General Chen has been researching coronaviruses since the SARS outbreak back in 2003. They have also been researching Ebola and anthrax. This would not be her first trip to the Wuhan Institute of Virology either since it is only one of two in the bioweapons research labs in all of China. Now what is not said by the New York Post, but I'm going to say it, is that there are many people many people in the know around the world that are saying they were dealing, they were experimenting, not with cures necessarily, although they will say they were, but with the kinds of biology that can wipe out an entire civilization. And it got away from them. I haven't heard anyone suggesting that this was a purposeful thing to somehow disrupt the world order, as they say, but it is, it is, and it probably will for a while. But they were doing research, the army, the military, in this laboratory. And they were doing it, in, again, in my view, and I'm fairly informed on this. I've been paying attention from day one. But in my view, there was a at least a in the best case, a dual purpose in this. Instead of properly disposing of the infected animals by cremation, that's what the law requires, the international law, they um, <laughs> were selling them on the side, some of the military people, some of the scientists, to make a little extra cash. You look at China and you see these soaring skyscrapers and, and you know, fast trains and wide streets and all this kind of stuff. You say, wow, what an advanced country. I want to tell you something from my own experiences. Not in China. I wasn't involved in China, but I was involved in 50 or more countries of the world in mission work. And that's been a while back. And the the premise of what I'm going to share, it hasn't changed. Some of the, you know, some of the skylines have changed. 
But when you go to these countries that are supposed to be so developed and so advanced that Americans, Hollywood luminaries are saying, well, I'm going to take my family and I'm going to move to such and such a country if Donald Trump is elected or whatever. Well, they go there. Brad Pitt, I think it was one of those guys. I think it was Brad Pitt or somebody. They moved their family to France because Donald Trump got elected. It was about, it was less than a year. It was about 10 months later, they moved back and somebody asked him in the press. And I think in an unguarded moment, he said, well, it was too dangerous where we were living. America's not that bad and the rest of the world is not that great. And that's what we're seeing at the heart of this thing in China. You see the big skylines and the beautiful and the, you know, the, the, the Olympic stadiums and all this kind of thing. But I promise you, you drive 100 miles out of the city any direction, and man, they're living like they did 500 years ago, except they have electricity, and a few of them have motors, little motorbikes or motorcycles. It's not what you see. You take a cruise, you take a guided tour, you go on a trip to the, the Great Wall of China or whatever, and you see what they want you to see. And that's not only true in China, but it's true around the world. I have not traveled those countries as a tourist much, but I've traveled as a Christian missionary and I've lived with the people. And these so-called developing countries or developed countries or first world countries are often not what they appear to be. That's my personal experience and I've seen it not once. You pull in on your cruise ship and they put you into a kind of a quarantined area where it's just like utopia. But I promise you, on the other side of that fence that's protecting you, there are barrios and there are people running around. They'll kill for a piece of bread or just for the fun of it. America is not that bad. And the rest of the world is not that great. And that's a part of what we're seeing playing into this today because these guys, these scientists, who I suppose would be pretty high paid, were selling these animals that they were experimenting on, selling them to people. <laughs> One Beijing researcher, he's now in jail, he made over a million dollars last year selling monkeys and rats on the live animal market to poor people. And it eventually, those animals eventually ended up in those people's stomach. They ate them. That's the level of society just outside the shining cities. This guy made over a million dollars. He's in jail, as I said. But none of China's excuses add up. The scientists are saying that snakes don't carry uh, coronavirus and bats aren't sold at the seafood market. And China floated that out there in the beginning. They said, well, you know, these snakes are carrying this and there's bats that, and all of this kind of thing. The only bats that have it are the bats that are in purposely infected in in the, 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 the uh, laboratory, and the contact with people is has been, at least in part, if not great part, from the scientists who are making a little extra money on the side. There's one guy, a lot of extra money on the side. But in the world of progressivism and communism, the end always justifies the means, it included, including the cover-up, the lies. It doesn't matter. All of that is righteous if your goal is righteous in your mind. That is that is the hallmark of progressivism. 
Syndicated columnist Victor Davis Hanson, he explained this weekend why China is currently in a dangerously chaotic state. I think it's something we should be aware of. It doesn't fix what's happening in our world, but people who are informed are much better off than those that are not informed. Let me tell you what Davis says. I highly respect him. He's, he's an intellectual. He's one of the great intellectuals of our time. He's a great Christian advocate as well. But Davis wrote on Friday, he said, quote, the Chinese communist government increasingly poses an existential threat, not just to its own 1.4 billion citizens, but to the world at large. And why not, Hansen says, when a, a pre-modern authoritarian society leaps wildly into the brave new world of high-tech science in a single generation? He notes that the central party officials run the government, the military, the media, the universities collectively in a manner reminiscent of the science fiction Borg organism of Star Trek, which was a horde of robot-like entities all under the control of a central mind. He said that defines China. He said we're now learning that China does not just move mountains for new dams and bulldoze ancient neighborhoods that stand in the way of high-speed rail, it also hid the outbreak and the mysterious origins of the deadly coronavirus from its own people and the rest of the planet as well. Davis is sounding the alarm. He writes, and I quote, China seems confident that it will soon rule the world, given its huge population, massive trade surpluses, vast cash reserves, and industries that produce so many of the world's electronic devices, pharmaceuticals, and consumer goods. Hansen concludes, there's a, it's a much longer article, but he concludes with this. If the Chinese Borg is willing to put millions of its own citizens at risk in infection and death, why would it care about foreigners' complaints that China's getting rich and powerful by breaking international rules? He says, the truth about President Trump's decision to call China to account over its systematic abuse of international trade norms is not that Trump's policy is reckless or ill-considered, as the left accuses. It's that at this late date, the reckoning might prove too little too late. Those are ominous words from a very wise man. This epidemic is going to get worse before it gets better. But I wanted to tell you today and take this time not to talk about current events other than this epidemic in the making. God is in control. This is a time the leader of China says that this is a test for China. Well, this is a test for believers as well. We're either going to give way to fear, be terrified, or we're going to stand solidly on the rock, the word of God. This is not a time for Christians to panic. It's a time for us to be steadfast in our faith. It's a time to read scripture, be steadfast. A few moments ago, we read together a psalm. There are other psalms. Read 91 every day if you need to. Psalm 71 begins, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge that I may resort continually. For you are my rock and my fortress. We need to resort continually to the Lord and to his word. Don't panic. God's in control. Be wise, but don't panic. God is in control. 
Thank you so much for being with me today, and thank you for your support. We'll continue this conversation tomorrow, but thank you for your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009.